0: I invest in real estate myself, so I think it's a great investment, just like everything else. We want to stay diversified, stay disciplined within our portfolio, and let's not put everything into one basket there. So I have no problem with people doing it, and it is something that we commonly will let our clients do.
1: It's time to retire with
0: confidence. Welcome to
1: Unlocking Your Financial Future with financial advisor, Ben Schrock. Well, we're opening up the mailbag on this edition of Unlocking Your Financial
2: Future. We're going to uh, take your questions. We took questions over the last few weeks. Our last mailbag uh, episode came about a month ago, so... We are going to open it back up and take a number of questions. We've got a handful. We're going to get to as many as we can today. They cover a variety of topics, 401k, company stock, financial advisor, social security, which Ben loves, and uh, maybe even some tax questions if we really want to get Ben fired up on this episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But let me welcome in Ben, the uh, the owner and financial advisor at BA Schrock Financial Group with their office there in Wadsworth. How are we doing today, Ben? Good. And it,
0: my blood pressure was low until you mentioned taxes. And now you got me all fired up. Yeah, you sounded too relaxed.
2: So I didn't need to throw that word. That T word out there is the one That's that I it. think I always gets you. So it's that time of the year. I know you guys are dealing with it a lot. And I know a lot of people right now that are going through their finances and trying to get things in order. Taxes is just a big conversation right now, right?
0: It is. I mean, it's just the time of the year. It really is. We. Uh, it's funny when we meet with people this time of the year, you know, that are are not clients, they're prospective clients, and and we always get. Well, I'll just wait till after tax time. After tax, so we constantly get those delays of, of meeting with us because they want to wait till their taxes are done. Like it's some monumental leap or accomplishment. It's just <laughs> it's something we do every year. We know it's coming, and it's it is, but it's taxing. You know, it, it's uh, no pun intended there, but it is. It's uh, it's a lot for people to to just get everything ready, go into the accountant, sit down with them and, and you know, bite that bullet. So yeah, it's fun.
2: Well, if you've ever done it yourself, it can feel like a, a major accomplishment <laughs> when you finish. It's like a huge yeah. relief when you're done. It is such a difficult pro- Like You just wish it would be a little bit easier, a little simpler process, uh, reading through all those forms and lines. It's just, it. it's a lot. Well, let's, let's not go down that road uh, right. because we can both get fired up on taxes. Let's go into the mailbag <laughs> and uh, head that direction for today's episode. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. It's going to be a number of questions we're going to get to. And let's just kind of roll down the list. I've pulled out some that I like that I think are very valuable for both uh, the person asking, but also for every listener that's uh, tuning in. I think there's some good information on each one of these. So let's begin with Emily. She writes in, it appears that I'm now able to contribute more to my 401k this year than I was allowed to last year. Is it safe to assume that I should go ahead and
0: put in the extra amount? Great question. I God, I always I always say great question, or it depends. Those are like my favorite answers. But um, <laughs> no, Emily, in, in your situation, you instantly think, yes, I'm going to put more in. So a couple questions you want to think about uh, before that, uh, and we just jump into it and put more in. Let, let's talk about their matching, okay? Are they going to still match what you're putting into? Are they going to increase that, or is that going to remain the same? So question them on that. And then also, um, let's look into the future a little bit. If we keep on ramping up this pre-tax money like we were talking about previous episodes with our Roth conversions, are we just kicking this tax can down the road? To pay Uncle Sam later? Do we think taxes are going to go up? Is there something that, that the Roth four hundred and one k eligible in your plan that we can maybe increase over there? Um, so maybe it, it's not the best idea to to just keep pumping money into this pre tax investment because we're going to have to pay Uncle Sam sooner uh, or later, and we just have to be prepared for that. So just kind of look at those couple items before you jump into adding more money to it.
2: Hope that hope that answers your question, Emily. Thanks for your question. Our next one comes from Buddy, who writes in, I have several thousand dollars of company stock that I'd like to cash in to make a down payment on some land where I'll eventually build a vacation home. Is there any reason I shouldn't do that?
0: Yeah. So if uh, first thing we, again, going back to taxes, man, this is, uh, must be the time of the year, right? Uh-huh. So it, it's going to depend on, on the cap gains for you, buddy, and, and depending on obviously the company you're working for, too. So if it's a really good company, really good stock, you might want to think uh, if there's any alternative options for you interest rates are notorious low. It's not bad to borrow money. Um, so we again, go visit with the bank and see what, what interest rates are available to you. But if we are thinking of, of liquidation or liquidating some stock, we're, we're concerned with short-term and long-term cap gains. The main difference between the two is if we've held that stock for less than a year, that's less than 365 days, uh, you will pay uh, ordinary income taxes on any gains. If you've held that stock for more than a year, a year and one day, it's long-term cap gains, and that's fixed at 15%. So looking at it that way, price should help you make that decision to see which portion of that do I get to keep, which portion do I got to allocate to uh, taxes. Do you have a lot of clients that come in
2: looking to move money from their retirement accounts into real estate?
0: I do, yeah. it's And it's becoming more popular, just like anything else. The market's red hot. You know, Real estate in our neck of the woods is, is really hot. So a lot of times they want to do that. So again, taxes is a big piece of that. I have no problem. I, I invest in real estate myself. So I, I think it's a great investment. It's just something that we carve off a, a portion of the portfolio. It's not just like everything else. We want to stay diversified, stay disciplined within our portfolio, and let's not put it everything into one basket there. So I have no problem with people doing it. And it is something that we commonly will let our clients do or or can't say I would advise them to do it. But it's something that they I have no problem with. Thank you, buddy.
2: Our next one comes from miles. I've worked with a couple different financial advisors over the years, and I like them both. Do I need to pick just one or the other? Or is it okay to work with a couple different people?
0: Yeah, I I think it's it's okay, Miles. I guess maybe I'm coming from a different perspective here. I tell people this all the time that I sit down with, so I'll give you kind of what we do, and I tell them, I don't care if you have other advisors, okay? The biggest issue when you have multiple advisors is you got multiple people giving you advice. So if they're conflicting or they're not on the same page, then your plans can be the one that's, that's at a detriment to... Your future. So, um, looking at it that way, saying, "Okay, if they're both on the same page, everything is is kind of running together, and it makes sense." Then I don't think you need to. I think it's very important, though, for you to be transparent with both advisors to say, "Here's what I got over here. This is how it's invested. Um, this is what you know we're going to do over here on our side." So as long as I know what the other advisor has you in or invested in, then I know that I can either do something similar or something different to complement the whole portfolio. The and end result is what we're trying to plan for. And that's, you know, improving your future. So I don't have any issues with it. Just a matter of, I'd say more of a personal call, if you don't mind getting advice from multiple sources.
2: And I don't know what Miles is thinking is, but, you know, some people in this situation might think, you know, you're getting twice as much information or twice as much feedback or, you know, whatever it is. But I mean, you know, whether or not it's somebody working with you, Ben, directly, but would you do you think it's more ideal to have one advisor versus working with multiple people?
0: I do, honestly. I think it is. Um, And a lot of times people will will say, well, I want to keep everything diversified. Well, that's not real diversification. Working with me um, and only me would be, okay, I have my money with one firm. They're investing it. It's going to be totally diversified versus investing with seven different advisors and they're all kind of doing stuff. And I think, when you see that, there's a lot of stuff that overlaps. Um, I think it can get expensive. There's different cost structures. You know, The more assets we have under our management, the lower our costs can go. So it, it can be a uh, detriment. So we tend to prefer to work with uh, you know just one advisor with us, uh, but it, it's not a deal breaker for us. We are open to that because we have to earn people's trust. We have to earn their business and we realize that. Okay. Well, let's go to Jerry next. And this is a great
2: question. He knows that you're a social security guy, Ben. So he's got one for you. I just looked at my social security estimate that shows how much I'll get if I started at ages 62, 66, and 70. I'm blown away by how much more I'd get at 70. So I'm inclined to just wait until then to start it, even though I'll probably retire around 66 or 67. I'm assuming that putting it off like this is the best course of action for someone like me.
0: Yeah, it can be. Um, Again, here goes my favorite answer. It depends, you got it, yeah. So in Jerry's situation, the one thing that we want to look at with delaying Social Security, I love the fact that he understands how much that thing increases, because it does, and it's a huge jump up from 66 to 70. It's about 132% increase. So a huge increase like that. Now, the the biggest thing, the biggest factor is how are you going to live from 66 or 67 till 70? Are we going to pull money from our investments? Okay. Okay, are we going to pull money from savings? Where's this money going to come from to bridge that gap for that three to four year period of time? My only kicker here is is this. If Jerry, if something happens to you, say your health starts to decline or um, you, you don't live a long life, you've spent a lot of your own money. And if you're not married nobody gets that Social Security. Your kids, your beneficiaries, no one's going to receive your monthly income from Social Security. They will get that IRA, that Roth, those investment accounts that you have that you've just kind of spent through pretty quickly. So um, I think it's a delicate balance. I think it might be, um, let's not rule out 68, 69, somewhere in between too. maybe delay it for one year, a one, year and a half. So just kind of some food for thought for you, Jerry, to, to see, you know, it's not as easy as just, you know, taking it at 66 or 70. There's a a lot of time in between we can look at too.
2: It's a great time to mention that you have your guide to maximizing social security benefits on your website. What all does that entail, Ben?
0: Yeah, so basically kind of it's going to run you through all the different things that you need to be thinking about um, you know when people make that decision about social security Ben, it's a pretty daunting task to, to kind of just navigate through and unfortunately a lot of people think that just going to social security you're going to find out all those answers. So again, it's not as easy as that. There's certain things they can tell you, there's certain things they cannot tell you. So, you know, diving into the taxable implications of it like like things that we'll do in our office or other things to consider, you know, also the, the Medicare coming out of Social Security that that we don't think about as well. So um, it's going to tell you a lot of those things that that you just don't really think about as easy as just turning on my Social Security benefits. So other questions that you should be thinking about and kind of gives you a guide to to determine what's really best for you.
2: Well, that can be found at bashrock-fg.com and make sure you get that in-depth Social Security analysis from Ben and his team. Next question comes from Frank. I rolled over a 401k to an advisor a couple of years ago and he put all the money into something called American funds. Is that okay? Or should I be invested in other things too?
0: Yeah, so American Funds is simply a mutual fund company. They're a fund family and it can be good, it can be bad. It just depends on the actual funds themselves. So what we'll see, and this is not just picking on American Funds. We see it with Fidelity, we see it with uh T. Rowe Price. You name the fund manager, it doesn't really matter. Is when we run a stock intersection or a portfolio X-ray, we call it, through our, our analysis and Keith does an excellent job here in our office with that, we'll actually unravel the the guts of that mutual funds. So we'll see what is this thing actually owning? What is it buying? And if you put everything into American funds and maybe there's five or 10 different funds in there, we'll look and see what they're actually buying and how many times do they buy the same thing. Okay, And it's astounding to me that it happens almost 100% of the time that even though it's one company, American funds in this example, they're buying Apple across three or four different mutual funds, or they're buying Microsoft across four or five different mutual funds. So they intersect and they overlap within your plan. And then you dive into the fees, the 12B1 fees, the, the cost structure of this mutual fund to say, is it really the cheapest way for me to own Apple or Microsoft, or am I better off just buying it outright? So, I don't want to be a downer in that situation and say it's not a good thing, because I think American Funds is a great fund family. Um, It's just going to depend on on the actual funds themselves that you're buying.
2: Great. Hopefully that helps you, Frank. Uh, Last question. We got time for one more. Let's take it from Susan. So how do you avoid investing in things that you view as immoral? Take marijuana as an example. I'm in several mutual funds, but I don't know what stocks they're using. Good point to your American funds. Uh, yep. Could I be profiting off of the marijuana industry by accident? I don't want to do that. So how, how do you help people navigate through the investment world while respecting certain morals and religious beliefs?
0: This is an awesome question, Susan. Um, and this is something that, uh, is becoming more and more popular, and and they call this socially conscious investing, basically. So we want to make sure that if someone is wants to invest uh, and be a little bit more conscious of what they're owning, a mutual fund, quite frankly, might not be the best one for you. Again, there are funds out there. I, off the top of my head, uh, there's one that we used to work with, Timothy Plan, I believe is the name of it. Don't quote me on it. But they, they invest with religious beliefs. So there are fund families out there that can accomplish that and, and invest in, and things that align with your beliefs. So that's something to look into. But you could absolutely, um, like our example with the the American funds, you could absolutely be investing in something and and be exposed in the marijuana stocks and be profiting off them without having any idea of doing that. Unless you're able to run those reports that, that we run in our office to see what they're buying or read the actual prospectus. That's 500 pages that they send you. So, but it is something that uh, is always interesting to me, Ben, that is becoming more and more uh, relevant in today's world is investing with social consciousness and and taking those things into consideration um, with the companies that people are owning. Do you have a lot of people
2: bring in the idea of uh, marijuana stocks to you right now? It seems to be a pretty hot thing across the country.
0: Yeah, we do. And honestly, we don't touch it. Yeah. Um there's just a lot of other reasons, but we we don't invest anything in it. Uh, we have clients that are, are interested in it. We say, you know, we can't do it for you. You can create your own account with uh, the TD Ameritrade, who we use, and uh, do it yourself. But we cannot take any orders. We cannot do anything. It's got to be completely independent of what we have here in, in our office. It's
2: good to know. So, Susan, hopefully that answers your question. But, you know, Ben and his team are a great resource if that is something that is very Uh, important to you and a priority for you and your investing you can connect with his team Ba shock financial group their officer right there in wadsworth they serve all the cleveland and akron area so they'll be happy to help you uh, navigate those investments uh, and respect what you believe and uh, that's another great question and really a great set of questions today on this episode glad to open up the mailbag if you ever have any questions on your mind it can be any of these range of topics plus much more whatever is on your mind We'd love to have you send it in. bashrock fgcom is the website. Facebook page, you connect there. You can send a, a note through Messenger, a question through Messenger, or you can just call the office, 330-473-1060. Somebody will help you out there. Plus also take your question, bring it on the show, and we'll try to answer it uh, here with Ben as we always do. So, Ben, thanks for your time. Enjoyed this uh, wide range of topics. Uh, Sorry for bringing up taxes quite a bit, but (laughs) I'm sure it'll come up again pretty soon. Yeah, we
0: calm down. We're good.
2: (laughs) Well, thanks, for everybody, for listening, and thank you for your questions once again. We will uh, do it all again here pretty soon, so send them in. But until next time, hit subscribe. We will uh, be happy to talk to you on the next episode of Unlocking Your Financial Future.
1: Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through B.A. Schrock Wealth Management, Inc. and A.E. Wealth Management, LLC. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management and A.E. Wealth Management are not affiliated companies. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal, any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income, generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. This podcast is a paid placement. It is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation.